Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Women's team. Men, you're off the hook. Make plans. Go do something fun. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's not what their mama called them. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Right? Those are their Hebrew names. Right? We, we call them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's not what they were called. Don't have God in their names. Anyways, uh, just had to be nerdy for a second. I only have certain chances to show up. That probably wasn't even showing off. Uh, Let's bring the ushers forward. We got Bibles and outlines for you guys to follow along. We're uh, this morning in our new in our continuing series, uh, and we got a new topic this morning: God and man. But we're doing doctrines and theology. What's the foundation of our belief, and why does it matter? And what we're seeing is that everything builds off of it. Uh, but we're also entering the Christmas season, and we've got a couple things coming up. Uh, some of you know 360 Serve is a ministry that we uh, donate and sponsor uh, indigenous pastors in the northern uh, mountain country of Vietnam. 36 pastors we um, sponsor up there, and uh, that's through 360 Serve. 360 Serve also does ministry in 15 other countries. So they have numerous, I mean, they've got more than 16 ministries because you've got multiple ministries in, in many countries. But uh, Christmas time, uh, they did a little push and asked, you know, what, what do people want for Christmas? And uh, these uh, lower income, poverty stricken in some ways, th- uh, people are asking for different th- types of things, coats, jackets, um, and uh, Vietnam has asked for outreach materials, whatnot. And uh, there's a little booklet in the back if you want to open up and look through what 360 Serve is doing. But they are asking people to go to the website and just buy a little gift. I think it's 20 bucks. That's all it is. But then they send that gift to Vietnam and it helps support uh, the specific churches that we're working with. And so it's kind of a, a cool little opportunity. Uh, by the way, Mark Tyler is going to be here second service today. From 360 Serve, we're going to do a special uh, underground presentation, uh, so we won't actually be doing God and Man Second Service. So you're getting the doctrine this morning. Second Service is going to get that special underground presentation. You're welcome to stay. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it at the very end today. i got a picture for you, um, but that's a little tease for you. Uh, Christmas is coming up uh, here too, not just in Vietnam, and we've got a great ministry with Tri-Valley Haven. I think this is year three. Is this year three for us, helping them? It is. So we have a little ta- uh, table in the back with the tree. We've got these little, they look like ornaments, and they got just little uh, suggestions on gifts you can get, like the, this one says accessories, belts, purses, jewelry. We're doing it to support um, teenagers 13 to through 18 at Tri-Valley Haven, and um, what we're asking is that go back there in the next few weeks. We're going to go through, I think it's Thanksgiving weekend, uh, take one of these, go out and get something, bring it back, put the tag on it, and nothing else. Do not wrap the gift, because Tri-Valley ha- Haven has to see what it is before they can give it away, so that's appropriate in the whole thing. Um, but it's a great opportunity, and, and props to you, patting you on the back, because the last couple years you killed it. Knocked it out of the park. In fact, last year, of all the organizations that donated to Tri-Valley Haven for this thing, we came in first. We were the biggest donor of everything. So the, the record has been set, the standard, we got to meet it, right? We got to win again, right? 
we're competitive, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to compete, let's compete at that, not at, uh, you know, NFL football, because that it doesn't work out. Uh, so grab one of those in the back uh, on your way in the next couple weeks, and, and we'll, we'll go. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Lord's House. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically-based. We're compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, not just a select few. And we'll be in a community that serves a greater community. Uh, because we need to get the information out that there's another in the fire, there's another in the water, and then apparently we need to teach the names of the boys. <laughs> right? So we want to be inviting those people to church. Um, we traditionally go through books of the Bible, chapter at a time, and kind of explain them, uh, mostly because nobody ever did for me and it was my pet peeve, and if I go to church, I want to understand it and I want to have fun. If I'm not doing those two things, I'm out. I'll go watch football. Uh, so that's what we've been doing uh, almost all the time. And then every once in a while, we'll do a topical series on the foundations of what do we believe and why do we believe it. And we've been doing that. Um, bad pastor pun, I know. But I've been, we've been calling it, is there a doctrine in the house? Okay. What are the foundational truths, the non-negotiables of theology that really all the rest of life builds off of? So... I've preemptively answer, answered your question. Why do I need to know this? Why do I need to know about the deity of the Christ, of the humanity of Christ, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, any of those things? Why do I need to know those? Here's why. Everything hinges on them. God will play around with all the other things. The stuff we're covering in this series, God doesn't play around with any of it. He doesn't change it, never, ever will. And so we started off talking about God as himself, God and you, God as Trinity, and God and others. And that was kind of our foundation of who God is. And we, we really explained that um, the whole Bible is really about him. We're characters in the story, but it's really about him. And that's hard for us to get used to because who's usually the main character of our stories? We are. I love being the main character of my own story. Uh, it just doesn't work. And so that's how we're looking at it. Uh, we did um, last week, uh, God and Creation. Uh, this morning we're due uh, God and man, which is really doctrine of humanity, uh, doctrine of mankind. And so I want us to look at uh, really uh, two, three passages, because we're going to do Genesis 1, but we're gonna, then it's going to skip over to Genesis 2, and we're going to follow up with some things and look at that. Um, we're even going to sprinkle into chapter 3 for a second. Um, but we need to understand w what is the difference between God and humanity, uh, because it's very distinct. And uh, this should help you rethink some things, hopefully, uh, because the, the fact that God has determined certain things about man might not be that exciting by itself, but you, when you play it out for how does it apply to you, or how should you then respond to your spouse, or what kind of job should you look for, or how should you carry yourself, what vocabulary should you, all those things can help uh, when you start to play them out. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for your word. Thanks for the idea that uh, we can look forward to battles. That sounds so backwards when we sing it. To think about, really, what does that mean? Is that a battle? Is it something I should look forward to? Pray, Lord, that we would understand exactly why this morning, because of who we are as humans. 
we need you in the battle. And when we understand that, and we invite you into the battles, we can win. They can go well for us. Set us straight. So I pray for our time, Lord, as we look at your word, may it be clear. Uh, may we uh, enjoy it. Uh, but most of all, Lord, may it honor and glorify you, your son, and your spirit. We pray it in all those names. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 24 is where we're going to start this morning. Uh, but I want to remind you, uh, the five days of creation have finished. We're on to sixth day of creation, and that's uh, what happens in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 1. We're starting the sixth day of creation. Here we go. As soon as we get, there we go. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God has uh, created all the birds and all the fish and all the plants and vegetation. All that stuff happened the first four days. Now he's kind of doing mammals uh, because kind of reptiles have kind of happened prior to this and whatnot. Um, uh, And we read this last week, didn't we? As part of our creation thing. But this now is going to bleed over into uh, humanity, what he's going to do with man. All right, So that's what we've got to get into. We'll, we'll go beyond what we read last week. Uh, verse 25, And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Last week we talked about the idea that this shows that you're special. You have value in your very created nature. You're in the image of God. You're to have dominion over other things. We, by the way, mentioned that that doesn't mean you just get to rule. It means you need to be responsible and accountable for creation, not just squandering it, right? Uh, Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree and seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was Tov Mahod. Tov Mahod. That's the Hebrew little phrase right there. We don't see it anywhere else. Very good. Great little phrase. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Uh, And we have our six days of creation. And it's over at that point. Uh, why, why do you think that God waits to the very end to create man? Save best for last? I'd like to think that, right? Kind of interesting because we're going to get to chapter 2 and we're going to find out, might not be able to make the argument that we save best for last because what's missing? Ladies, right? <laughs> it, how's it Tov Mahod, God? What? No, there's no lady. Uh, actually, 
there's probably an argument for they were on the scene. It doesn't say that they created Adam. It says they created man. It's a creative act of mankind, probably. What you need to understand is right about the middle of, I think it's chapter 2, verse 4, the Hebrew changes and the poem changes. And what we really get, mid-verse 4, I believe, uh, is a new account of the same thing. What was covered in Genesis 1 up to 2, 4a now gets rediscussed. Let's look at it from another angle. You know, it looks really good from over here. Now let's, hold on a second. Let's stand over here and look at it. Uh, so that's what we get in the second one. And in the second account, all of a sudden we find out why we have women, why we have ladies. Uh, and it's a great little story, right? Let's, um, let's look at that. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, 7 and 8. I think we got it here. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Did it cover all this in the first chapter? It didn't. Uh, So is there more that went on than what we're told in the first chapter? Okay, all my science buddies, I'm on your side. There's way more that went on than what is strictly accounted for in chapter one. There you heard a church pastor Christian say it. We have inadequately covered the science on purpose. Amen? Why'd you say amen? Because it's a book about God. It's not a book about science. Right? If it's a book about God, then we want to know who he is and what does he do and why does he do it? And so rather than, well, how did the Garden of Eden come about? No, how about why? God said, you're special. I'm going to make you and woman. I'm going to make you uh, in our image. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you life, right? I always thought that was weird. When when you're a kid and you read this stuff, it's scary, right? It's like, what are you going to be for Halloween? I'm going to be the creation act. I'm going to breathe life into nostrils. I'm going to walk around with a huge nose. (laughs) Look at that, right? He breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, which, by the way, came from dust. Just weird. Does that look scientific? Say no. (laughs) No. It looks like a third grader got some crayons out. Right? But when it comes to purpose, value, meaning, now what's it look like? God care about you. Person sitting next to you. People that have yet to walk through that door. People that are going to get these. We need to destroy every other organization that brings gifts to this place. So that when it's asked the question, where did this come from? They say, Rock Bible Church. Why? They believe in God, they care. And maybe they show up one day. And maybe they never, ever come here. But they walk into another church. Because somebody did something that had meaning behind it, even though it looked goofy. You're going to give away your money, time and effort. You're going to run to the store, buy something. You're going to give to somebody you never, ever met. 
you're not even going to wrap it. At some point, it's going to hit that 16-year-old. Maybe not till they're 32. And we're, and we're going to see something behind that. Awesome. Well, the story uh, keep, keeps going from there. And I want us to jump to verse 15. Uh, because this is like kind of where you would recognize some things when it comes to man and woman and the whole thing. Right? Verse 15, chapter 2. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying... You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam says, why am I going to die and why are you calling me surely? Uh, is Eve there? Eve's not on the scene yet. Okay. We're going to get into that later when we talk about doctrine of sin. Okay, so we're not going to go into that, but I don't want you to think that I missed it or I'm skipping it. We're going to come back to that later. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Men, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Man, we are a mess by ourselves. That's a true testimony of a woman right there. Hey, guys, are the ladies okay on their own? When you're gone, they take the plastic, they're at the mall. All hell breaks loose. Right? It's not good for us to be alone, mankind to be alone. We are community animals. We're pack animals. The very nature of God, lesson three in our series, is relational. God as Trinity, three in one. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, fit for him, which implies he needs help. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds, to the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Why? Because he needs a lot of help. Birds can only provide so much. But at, uh, not a super helper. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, which he's never woken from. While he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up his place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God, he had taken from the male, he made into a woman and brought her to man. And the man said, what do you say? Whoa, man! That's what he said. Uh, this is at, least, at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, I shall, uh, we, she shall be called, whoa, man! Because she was taken out of man. Now, it's a little sarcastic, a little comedy. Um, but why did we just break into song? Because it's not good for man to be alone. We have a deep need within us, all of us, a male and female, because we were created in the image of God. And he's not alone. And when we get something that fits, something that's right, Something that we actually need, not because we want it or we have a craving or a passion or whatever, 
but because we have genuine need, which means, because that's a politically correct way of saying it, means you've got holes, shortcomings, short-sightedness. You make mistakes, large ones. And sometimes we need people alongside us to grab us and go, oh, oh, come here, come here. No, 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 no. We're going over here. No, it looks good. It sounds, whatever. No, over here. Um, that's why we have police, right? Why do we have police? Why do we have police? Because we do dumb stuff. As humans, we do really dumb stuff. We violate all the six villains you're going to have this morning. Regularly. And we need somebody to come alongside, a helper to come alongside and say, uh, hey, 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 you're looking at this the wrong way. You're pursuing a path that's going to get you in trouble. You know, how much better if we did that uh, with our spouse, our significant other, and they stopped us before we got so far off the deep end that we needed the police. Or, by the way, it's why we have firefighters. It's also why we have medics counselors, coaches, teachers, pastors, <laughs> you name it. Why we have authority over us. Doctrine of humanity justifies authority in your life. What? Somebody gets to tell me what to do? If you're lucky. Because a man left to his own devices. How's that story end? It's one of the truer statements in the Bible. There's a way that seems right to a man, and its end leads to destruction. Maybe the most important word in that sentence is a. There's a way that seems right to a man. If you had two guys, you might have a shot at getting through it. Because second guy might tell first guy, uh, no, no, no. I tried that once. It didn't work. Or two people or three people or, or a significant other. To where we get back on the right page. He's so excited because something actually works. There's hope for joy, blessing, peace. 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Uh, is that just about physical union? No. They're one entity from here on out. Understanding, cooperating, dancing, Adjusting, apologizing. I had to say that one a little louder for some of you, right? And the man and his wife were both naked. Oh, no. They were what? And were not ashamed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? It's kind of a weird little statement to end right there. They were naked and not ashamed. Now, most of you right now, you have this thing going on in the back of your head. Is he going to talk about sex right now? How much is he going to talk about? How awkward is this going to get? Good news, you're off the hook. But I'm, I'm dancing with the I concept of doing an extra series this time. Last time we did it was seven years ago, 2012. They did not get Doctrine of Sex. And we just might have to. Just because I want to see you all squirm. It's going to be a great Sunday. In fact, I'm going to start prepping for it this week. Anyways. 
Uh, what does all this mean? I mean? What do we get from this? We've got this weird account, six day, man's uh, created at the very end. And was Eve created during that six day? She had to be because on the seventh day he rested. So it's an argument for the second section of Genesis 2-4 on to be an account of the first one, just told a different way. But why? What are all the different ramifications? What really happened in all this? And I want us to look at it uh, in, in several different ways. And there's a lot more. We probably could have justified doing two weeks on this or even more. But I tried to fit it all into one week because this thing's going to go for, for a while. Uh, first one we really need to see is that God gave us life. That's back to that awkward statement of the breathing life into the nostrils. But, but what's really said there? You don't exist without him. You were thought of and then came into existence. I like to believe that all of God's creative acts in, in Genesis were came from him speaking and the Lord God said. I, I love to think that God spoke you into being at some point. He thought of you and then spoke you into being. What a cool thing. And now I want to ask you, does that go beyond Genesis 2. Is he still speaking life into you? Is he providing places for you to be? Like a garden. Is he providing help in the midst of your great need? How is he doing that? Maybe he's trying and you're missing it because you're so busy on the treadmill, hamster wheel, no, I got to be there, but, and then I got to call it. I got to make a list. We got to transfer some. And we're so busy uh, that you have bought the lie of busy. And the lie of busy is that you are the one that generates life. What if you set your phone down, close your laptop, turn off the TV, set the keys to the car aside, and just be with yourself. Be with someone else. Produce nothing. And you will still experience life. Which is a fun little experiment because now what have we proved? That nothing you do generates life. And everything he does, does generate life. The doctor of humanity of humanity should be pointing us back to God because he is the origin of all things. What do you want to start? What do you want to keep doing well in? What do you want to finish up? You want to finish that job well or tie up? You know that he's the key to all those things? You see, he gives us life. Uh, secondly, in that, he gives us freedom. What do you say about all the trees and the plants and all that stuff and all the fruit in the garden? He's like, hey, man, run amok. Grab a bunch of stuff, eat it. Have a great time. Didn't he give us like, a, a, like abundance of freedom? What do you have to do? I give you, take the literal definition of have to, what do you have to do in your life? You don't have to eat. Not today. You don't have to breathe. 
for like a minute. Are breathing and eating, all right. I know some guys like, well, bathroom too, but I ain't going to say it. You know, got to do that, <laughs> right? But like beyond the obvious, what, what else do you have to do? Do you have to get married? Do you have to be single? You know, this game, the more you think about it, it's really hard to fill that list of have tos. Now, you want a funner list? I know funner is not a word. Uh, funner list, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you have the freedom to do those things? you have the freedom to stop doing things that you've been doing that you feel like you want to stop? It is interesting to me that a God with as much control and attention to detail and the most elaborate system ever said, I'm going to put man inside of it and I'm going to let them be a loose, wild, canon variable. They're going to mispronounce things. They're going to jack up relationships. They're going to bang their toe. Some of them are going to lose tra- catastrophically things, but I'm going to let them have their learning. I'm going to give them freedom. That's why I argue vehemently with people that say, there's only sovereignty, there's only absolute control by God. He predestines everything. Like, that's it. We have no choice. No, I don't, I know. Do I believe God ordains all things? Yes. Predetermines all things. Predestines, has a plan. It will come to, and it has control over things. Yes. And do I believe you have a choice? Absolutely. I see it all the time. But, but Scott, those things are, like, logically, they cannot coexist in your world. I got ducks in my world, friends. I don't know what that means. But anytime I got dark with my buddy, George, we'd be, we'd be talking about something, we'd be getting dark about it or negative or whatever. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. I got ducks in my world. I just thought that was a cool saying. I believe that in God's world, predestination and free will can coexist in absolute harmony. Just like faith and science. Right? It's hard to imagine. Those things mixing. Let me give you some others that shouldn't mix and yet do. Maybe not in perfect harmony, but how about male and female? (laughs) Those don't work so well together. They shouldn't. Man, they're different, aren't they? How about young people and old people? There's a dichotomy. I think the most difficult one ever, the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. How do those coexist? Because long before I need to answer predestination or free will or male and female or chocolate or vanilla, I need to understand how God is God and man at the same time. 100%. So I put zero limits on who God is. And part of that comes from my understanding of the freedom that he gives us. Do you have freedom to sin? Oh, whoops. 
how cool that he trusts you, loves you, created you enough that he'll let you go the other wrong way if you want. I don't even do that in my own house with my monkeys. No, they step out of line. I get the shock collar. We're told I'm not allowed to use that on kids. I'm like, why? It would be so effective. It doesn't need like a big shock, just a tiny little one. I'm like, oh, dad's trying to get my attention. Where is he? I don't do that. That was called sarcasm. If you can't handle it, there's a church like a little farther down. Uh, number three, uh, God gave us purpose. Put him in the garden to work. It says, hey, I'm going to bring you animals. You've got to name them, and we're going to do some stuff. And uh, All right? Which, which is great because uh, we've just removed accident out of the equation. It was an accident. Oh, I hate that phrase. When kids find out that mom and dad didn't necessarily plan junior, and all of a sudden, honey, I'm pregnant. And some idiot somewhere decided, we're going to call that an accident. Guys, if God is the creator, is in control of all things and freedom and thought about you and spoke you into existence, gives you purpose and meaning and all that, there is no such thing as an accident. Man, you should be feeling good about yourself. You're here in spite of your parents' plans. How wonderful is that? If you have a purpose moving forward, how differently will you look at your day? Which one? All of them. If, if you have a purpose, ultimately you're going to figure out that had to come from somewhere else. Because you're forced to look at God. See, because if there's life, you've got to ask where it comes from. If there's freedom, you've got to ask where does it come from. If there's purpose, you've got to ask where does it come from. And what is it? I, I, I tell you what, you get these first three down, it will set you on the right track. What's God doing? Why am I here? Because there is a reason. Fourthly, God gave us limits. Hey, man, I'm going to give you life. Hey, run around the garden, do whatever you want. I'm going to give you help so you don't mess it up. Just, just one thing. Just one thing. I need you to do one direction, one suggestion, one command. Do you realize this? There was only one rule. How awesome would that be? How many do we have now? How many rules do we have now? Man, Adam and Eve, you messed this up for us. Just like we would have messed it up if we were there. What was the one rule? Doctrine of sin. We're going to get to that. Ain't going to answer it now. Tease commercial. But the idea is that he imposed limits on us. If you do this, in the day that you do it, you will die. Man, God makes promises. We have limits. Are you going to be seven foot tall? No? You got a limit? Anybody stop growing? Yeah? Anybody going to the moon? You got limits? 
That's my point. Anybody dunking a basketball after church today? There's all kinds of limits we have, right? And yet sometimes in our behavior and our thinking and our ideology and our philosophy, we think, oh, no, I, I can think whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Why would there be limits in some area but not another? We have limits. Do you know why you have limits? Get you back to purpose. See, when purpose happens, you enjoy you produce. You have fun. It makes sense. I believe God gives us life and freedom so that we can stumble into purpose and therefore hopefully search for him. And God says, I'm going to give you some limits because I want you to hit some pins. I love the bowling alley. You got that button you push and the rails come up. No more gutter balls. So you can practice. At some point, you're supposed to push that button again and the rails come down. And now, you're supposed to keep from hitting the gutter. Theology made easy through bowling. Is it possible in life to hit a gutter ball? Yeah. Who decides what a gutter ball is? God does. Have you figured this out? That the crowd, the culture, the society, the voters, we will come up with things and say, yeah, let's all do this. And you do it. And you hit the gutter. Well, everybody else was. Must be that crowd and culture don't get to make the decisions on us. So what's right and what's wrong and what are the limits? And I don't understand why people, other people don't know this. I learned this. Well, it's like kindergarten. If everybody was jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, would you jump off too? I thought to myself, that's easy. No. Because when they're all gone, then more food for me, more candy, more. Like, there's certain things that it's like we, as a culture, are jumping off the bridge. And God's saying, what are you doing? Your computer wasn't meant for that. Your brain wasn't meant for that. Your money wasn't meant for that. Your body was not meant for that. Those substances weren't meant for that. We got all these things and we're just, we're chasing the gutter balls. And we're wondering why we're not getting a strike. But really, I'll set a floor spare. If I have to throw twice, but I get all the pins, I'm good. But how do we avoid the gutter balls? We recognize the limits. God says, look, don't do these things. Verse 20. Man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. In the midst of all your responsibilities and purpose, you're still going to have needs. You're still going to have limits. So great. Fifth one. Uh, God gave us choice. Did we talk about that already? He got to choose names. He got to choose all kinds of things. Uh, who, who picked woman's name? Man, how cool is that? She's awesome. I'm going to call her awesome. It's kind of the Cliff Notes version of that. And then um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're building that back of the bulletin outline for printing and stuff, and the bottom got cut off. Second service every week, we joke about the second service extra. We do something second service that I forgot first service or something didn't work in first service, so I try something new in second service. We call it the second service. You get a first service extra this week, okay? One, you actually get a sermon and a doctrine. Second service won't get it because we're going to have a special presentation. Uh, but you, you get a sixth fill-in that is below the window that printed on the thing. So it's on there and the file and the computer, but we forgot to, you know, decrease the font and whatever, find the border. Uh, God gave us consequences. You see, God gives you life, freedom, purpose, limits, choice, and then after all that, he says, now be careful. There are ramifications to your decisions. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. You got this one for me, Denise? Remember, they were both naked and not ashamed? It begs the question, is it always going to be that way? Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Ooh. God gave them a limit. They crossed that limit. We're going to talk about what that was later. But in the moment that they crossed that limit, God gave them a consequence. It's kind of weird to me. The first consequence happens right in here. What goes on in the brain from that moment on is twisted, missing a piece, scarred, shaded, whatever. That's why we have psychologists. Because thinking went off from that point on. I'm naked. What's my value? Am I compromised? You know, they were never asking those questions before. When you cross God's limits, it will mess with your head. For sure. There's very few things I can say with absolute conviction up here. But I guarantee you, when you cross God's limits, it will hurt your brain. It will hurt your self-image, the way you see yourself, because you are no longer banking on the image of God. You're worried about the image of Scott. And boy, they're just totally different. Now they know they're naked. They make loincloths for themselves in verse uh, 7. Uh, watch what happens uh, verse 24. This is like much farther down. Uh, he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the, value, the, guard the way to the tree of life. That's a consequence. No more Garden of Eden for you, and you will never get in. I put the biggest, baddest angel with the biggest, baddest weapon, and he's facing every single direction. That's three negatives. Don't cross God. Because it's in your best interest. You're missing out on the first five. The worst part about the doctrine of humanity is missing God is possible. 
choosing away, choosing against life, choosing against the limits, choosing against your freedoms, choosing against purpose, will set you on a path that will lead to destruction uh, and death. Because he wants you to experience life. He wants you to see that there's two different ways. One's with him and one's not. And you can never be him. Doctrine of humanity is that you're human. You're not God. You can't be any of the things in the first four weeks of the study. Is that bad news? It's great news. You get to be human. You get the first five things in all their glory. In excess. We love excess, don't we? When we go into anybody's house on Christmas morning, we love excess. Right? Go to the table at anybody's Thanksgiving. We love excess. Right? There's many more examples. Some of them aren't appropriate. We love excess. You know that God wants more for you? Two words I try to push here at our church regularly. More and next. If the first five things we talked about today are true, you you have like an open gate to more, and so you should be looking for what's next. May that be your prayer. May that be your question moving forward. What's more look like, God, to you? For me, what does more look like to you? And what should I do next? What do you want next? Great questions. Great God. Amen? Lord, what is more for us? What is in the way? Father, there's sub-questions we could be asking, like what limits are we stepping over? What, what freedoms have we yet to experience, Chase? What purposes have we we've started to explore, but we've we failed to embrace them? That we could actually be good at something. The doubt in us is keeping us from experiencing some great purposes. I, I pray, Lord, you help each and every one of us. Ask the right questions. Uh, push us to the next level with you, with each other, with life. I, I pray for clarity that you would be pushing on each one of us, pushing clarity into our heads and our hearts as to where we actually stand, where we could actually be. Who do we engage to get to those places? Thank you, Lord, that you're a God of answers. Yeah, you've created a great system that does work. Thanks for being in total control and giving us choice. Thanks for male and female, Lord. Thanks for young and old. Thanks for deity and humanity. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.